to the Entrepreneur's Sushi Club. This is our weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi-adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun because that's what we do here. That's our speciality. You can have fun in and with your business without all the hustle and the grinding. So, of course, I'm your host, Gail Edwards, and I'm joined today by my wonderful co-host, Living as a room. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, fabulous. And of course, I'm going to say the same thing we say every week. And we say it every week because it's true. So today we are joined by a fabulous guest. We're going to get to know a lot about her today in our time together. But let me just give you a little bit of an insight so you know exactly who we are speaking to. You know the caliber, you know, the absolute caliber here of the person that's joined us today on the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. So, Sean, Sean Young, she is a sustainability ambassador for UK Health Coaching Association. She's the founder of Sustainable Success Coach and the CEO of the Center for Sustainable Action. And she's a UN and TEDx Women International Speaker, a multi-award winning published author. She's a guest writer for entrepreneur.com and Authority Magazine. She's trained as a health and lifestyle coach, but more importantly, Sean has helped over 5,000 women. I reckon that number's a bit low, to be honest, Sean. I reckon we're looking at millions of all the things that you've done. You've had much more impact than that. I just know you have. But, you know, she thinks she's helped over 5,000. And technically, she's right, because it is over 5,000. But we are really up in the millions. She's helped them to transform their well-being. And she focuses on making sure that future generations are taken care of by supporting CEO and founder mums to detoxify right here, right now, in the present. So we are going to talk to Sean. We are going to be finding out a little bit more about what really motivates you to do all the things that you do. How do you even find time to do all of that, Sean? But more (laughs) importantly... More importantly than anything else and everything you've ever done, I'm really sorry to bring it down to this, Sean, but this is what it's about. It's all about the sushi, sweetheart. I mean, which one is your favourite? <laughs> I would say my favourite is actually the sushi packs you get in the supermarket. Yeah, because it's such a quick meal and I'm allergic to wheat and dairy. So when I'm out and about and I want something that is healthier to pick then I suppose that's the one I've eaten the most of because I can always so eat that while driving, you know. So it has many benefits to that little pack of goodness that I grab every time I feel hunger. Mm. Well, I'm glad to hear that, actually, because I've recently gone gluten-free, dairy-free and sugar-free. So it's glad to oh. know, of course, supermarket sushi on the, if I'm out and about. Why not? I mean, I must admit, I am a bit of a sushi purist, but, you know, I have been known to have the odd supermarket sushi myself. So I thought you would say that. I thought you would be like, supermarket sushi? Mm. Do you know I had to say, like, you, you grab that. If you got to grab something, then if you grab that, then it's better than grabbing, like, crisps, or because they're gluten-free. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's where it is when you're gluten-free, dairy-free. Like, sushi is the thing that you can just eat, you know? Oh, I'm looking yeah. forward to having more and more um, <laughs> sushi, to be fair. So, Sean, you are clearly an accomplished woman. 
okay there's no doubt just looking at the amazing things you've done you know it has to lead me to the question you know as to whether or not you've really got the metal to can you withstand the wasabi can i can can I, what do you know when i get my little supermarket sushi i immediately take off that little bit of the rice and i pour all the wasabi on it and all the ginger on it i obviously can't have the soya sauce because it's gluten yeah because the and then i stick the fish back on it and then i eat my sushi i would eat it raw with no wasabi <laughs> You Woman just got your gale points. <laughs> yeah. did. I like spice. Yeah. I, oh, you know, I just think, what's the point if you're not going to have the wasabi? There's, oh, oh, I'll just put a little bit on. Why? There's no point. No, you got to get that like nasal yeah, clearing. You got to have the burn. You got to have the burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone just. Told us tamari, gluten-free soy, absolutely. Yeah, nice. but it's not in the yeah. packs. You know, when you're going for that. Yeah, yeah no. I know yeah. that for when you're at uh, sushi restaurants, mm. you can get gluten-free soy sauce, but not the supermarket packs, man. That's like, like you said, it, that's it. That's a low of the sushi. You know, that's like <laughs> desperation sushi. <laughs> you have to that's, grab it. But let's be honest. <laughs> And you are right, Sean. If you want to have something that is healthy on the go, then supermarket sushi is your way to go. Let's be absolutely honest. If it's of all the things that you can have, that is where you want to go. But I still am curious which one is the favorite because you've got different packs in the supermarket. Which I one really... do you choose consistently? No, this is where I'm mixed up. Maybe you sushi experts here can help me out, right? Mm. Is sashimi considered sushi? Yeah. Yeah, because I well, love just sushi like family, tuna. But it's part of the sushi family, sashimi. But it technically, is. sashimi and sushi are different, but they is, we'll give it to you because it is part of the family. <laughs> yeah, so I really like just uh, raw tuna, raw salmon and things like that, you know? And then... I have that with all that sort of seaweed stuff. Yeah, I'm a woman of the sea, it seems. Oh, I'm kind of liking, kind of liking that, kind of liking that. So, Sean, your business, reading out your bio, you know, you're like a sushi all on your own, quite frankly, with all the different, <laughs> with all the different aspects of your business. So can you just give us a little bit of an insight as to what was the motivating factor that got you started? In sushi or business? Oh, in business, sorry. We want to know both. We want to know both. How did you get started on sushi and on your business? Okay, so I'll do the sushi story quickly, since this is the sushi club, right? Basically, I went on a date when your sushi first opened many moons ago. Oh, gosh, Not yes. saying how old I am, but and this gentleman was trying to impress me and just said, You can have whatever you want. So I did. And the plates were piling up like this. It was like a hundred pounds for my lunch. (laughs) And I was saying that was the point I was taken by sushi. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. So the reason I got into business, well, basically, I have a history. I was a single, well, teenager on the streets of Scotland. So I was there for seven years. And coming off the streets, I became bedridden for two years with malnourishment. So I was, 
unable to walk and obviously a lot of time to think and process the traumas of being on the streets for that mm. long. And so I then fell in love with someone really, really quickly. As soon as I could walk, I was just like, ah, love, 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 you know, and it, it was the wrong choice. So I ended up a single mother and I was like, my baby cannot live what I just survived. Right. Mm. And so then I was like, so what am I going to do about it? And I was still very, very ill. I was on an elimination diet, like right down to just boiled rice because my system was so broken that I couldn't eat anything and absorb anything. So I found myself in a doctor's office and I saw this picture of these people windsurfing. They were having so much fun. It was in the Caribbean. And I was like, that's what I want to do. If I've survived what I've just survived, I want to go surf in the sunshine, right? So then basically I obviously had no money. So I was like, how do I do this? So I wrote to the academy and said, can you please, you know, let me in, you know, as a single mother. And I got ignored, basically. So I wrote to 200 charities and trusts and said, could you give me a hand? And they all ignored me. And well, the ones that wrote to me were kind of like, yeah, you want to go surfing? Have fun. But we're not paying for it. Right. So I closed the booklet and on the back was a picture of HRH Princess Royal, Princess Anne. So I said, right, I've had enough. I'm writing to Buckingham Palace. So I got my pen out and I wrote a letter to Buckingham Palace. And I said, can you give me a hand here? This is hard. You know, I've been at this. I've done this. I've tried this. Now I need a hand. And then I just chucked it in the mailbox and waited. And it took quite a while. And then I thought, you know, okay, that's it. But then I got a letter through from the palace saying that the palace is going to help me. And that was because the academy I wanted to study with, their patron was HRH Princess Royal, and they were a not-for-profit business, but they weren't letting me in. And so she informed them that they had a loophole in their charity status and they needed to open the door to me. And then my son and I got flown down. He was five, got flown down to, it was, uh, we were in Scotland and it was down in England, uh, the Isle of Wight, and we met her. And I got a scholarship. They asked me what I wanted and we made an agreement. And the agreement was I had to raise childcare costs and it was tr flights, childcare costs and flights to get to Australia because now instead of the Caribbean, they'd moved their operation to Australia. And I was like, well, okay, if I have to go to Australia, somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, the hardship. <laughs> I know. So I took childcare with me. But to raise that money, I had to go dance in the clubs, you know, pole dancing, lap dancing, right? Because I had no qualifications, nothing. So I was like, so I started just, you know, dancing. It was the worst job interview of my life, right? Oh, I'd done it. I'd done it. And then I got the money. I raised all the money. I went. I completed the whole course. I came back, arrived in Scotland, windsurfing instructor, rescue diver. See, I love fish. I like being in the sea. Oh, God, clearly. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I arrived in Scotland and I was like, my fatal mistake was the water in Scotland is freezing. Yeah. Like, what? It's so not quite the same, though, is it? <laughs> Australia, Scotland. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, arrived there going, that was a mistake. So I have all these water sports qualifications in Scotland where it's freezing. And then I thought I can pole dance and I'm an instructor. Let me do something with that. That's all I've got. There's the tools I've got, right? So I built a pole fitness studio 
And I went from bedridden, like I said, off the streets to advanced pole dancer and teaching up to intermediate level. And in that studio, we had over 5,000 women come through the studio. Wow. And yeah, that's when I started my first business. Literally, I had nothing but I can pole dance and instruct. (laughs) Right. So then, first of all, it was in my living room. I lived in a council estate. I had literally my son and I sleeping on a blow-up mattress in one room, no carpets, no fridge. And basically inside me was that kind of, you know, that old movie, build it and they will come. Yes. Right? (laughs) So I made the hall, the bathroom and the living room look really nice and got a pole and just printed my own flyers and went round and tried to sell pole fitness classes in a high-rise in a council estate. That was a challenge. (laughs) But I got my first six customers and I just poured my heart into it. And then an opportunity for a studio came. I still had no money. So I started gardening, cleaning and sewing. Anybody had any, I was like, I can do that. No problem. Like here, bring it. And I would just get the money together and then opened the studio, took the studio opportunity. And when I arrived in the studio, I had enough money for window signs or half of my next month's rent. And so what I'd done was I bought window signs and invited a local magazine for a free class. They'd done a big story on me because they loved the class. And then one by one by one by one, the women started coming. And the work I do is empowering women, you know. They would come in kind of like that and they would leave just being like, yeah, you know, I am so strong. You know what I mean? So then... It got up to level 5,000 people. We had TV coverage. I won multiple awards, published a book about my street days and had champion pole dance instructors, the world's most famous pole dancer, became a good friend. And, you know, that's where my business journey started. And that's where the women connection with my business journey started because I'd come from starving. Mm. I've been attacked on the streets, like on an annual basis. And so I've recovered my life, my passion by everything I've done. And then I qualified in everything that I'd done that worked. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. then I can now bring that oh, to my Sean. people. So that's, that's how I got into business. <laughs> oh, you literally give me goosebumps, you know, just yeah. listening to your story. And, you know, this isn't just about, you know, that triumph and you know from struggle to success it's even more than that it's that real whatever it takes because I was listening to someone quite recently and they were talking about their own route to success and they were talking about you know a lot of people say you've just got to do what you've got to do focus on what you love and all the stuff that we hear and that we even say ourselves but the one thing that really made the difference for me listening to him was that he says, and you've got to be prepared to do whatever it takes. So long as it's legal and moral, you do whatever it takes. And as you were speaking, that's what I was getting from you, the whatever it takes to be so committed to, you know, transforming your circumstances, to be so committed to the success, but then to be also committed to helping other people to do the same, that it is a case of whatever it takes. But I want to add to that whatever it takes, right? Because I was hospitalized twice with exhaustion while running this pole business. I was a single mother. I was pole dancing up to 24 hours a week sometimes. I had such a muscle mass. If you dropped me in the river, I'd sink. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, and that I would say now from my learning journey now and what I'm building now is put your health at the core. Yeah. Because it's not sustainable if you don't put your health at your core. I was blessed to have an instructor when I was in hospital hold the business down. And it was like, you know how blessings come in your life just when you need them? And she held it down. And that's when I refreshed my book was because I was in my sickbed again because my body was completely depleted again. And so that's when I trained as a health coach. I was like, I've got to do this better, you know, because actually do whatever it takes, but not your health. Not yeah. Yeah, yeah, because if your health's gone, your life's gone. You've got nothing well, you've got anyway. Nothing. Yeah. You've got nothing. Yeah, I'm so, so happy that you shared that, John, because I'm all about building a business or even a career without sacrificing your health and well-being because I believe that to be the leverage. If you yeah. don't have that, it's the reason why we have this podcast without the hustle and grinding because no matter what it takes does not mean sacrifice your health and well-being. Do with whatever, what you have, by all means, but don't sacrifice your health. Because if that's gone, it's gone. And it's so difficult to get back on your feet, no matter what has happened to your health and well-being. So, yeah. I'm still dealing with legacy issues in my body from Mm -hmm. being on the streets, being, you know, starving, trauma. You know, um, it's taken me years to work through the mind trauma to unpick the subconscious patterns and, you know, to bring in that kind of abundance mentality that actually I don't need to sacrifice my health for this. And if other people are asking me to, then they're not aligned with me and my business anyway. Yes. And that's what I'm teaching is you can be successful without sacrificing your health um, because it's, that's a, that's a, that's not sustainable and I'm into sustainability. <laughs> you get me? I love that. I, lo- I love that. Even, you know, with your coaching and everything you do, it's all about sustainability. And you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So, gosh, where does the time go, Lubna? I'm just looking at the time like, we haven't got enough time. We've still got loads of questions. <laughs> yeah, but questions. we can always have Sean back. Yes, you can. Have to have Sean back. We can like press pause, get some sushi, (laughs) and then come back. We haven't asked her, you know, if she were a sushi, what her ingredients would be. We haven't asked her that question yet. We haven't asked her about her future plans for the business or how people can get involved and contact her. There's just so much, so much. So, Sean, we've literally got about 10, 15 minutes maximum left. Oh, that's loads of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just I'm, I'm gearing you up. We're going to be rolling through this now. Okay. We're going to be rolling through it. So, Sean, what have you found before we go back to the sushi? I just want to stick with your business for a moment. I just want to know. So, what have you found, especially with sustainability being such a big thing? What have you found to be your most challenging areas in business? In business, I would say being a mother of a young child. And managing what that means with relationships in the house with male people, because men are brought up different in this world than we are brought up. Men are given different conditioning than we are given. And that can be a challenging conversation. And I also have a teenage son in the house that's a son from another mother. So that is the challenge, because in business, um, you know, you get to leave all that 
behind the camera. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I help CEO mums with challenges like that, because you need to put strategies in place to make sure that all of that stuff does not stop a woman from standing in her brilliance, because we need to hear women. And so that would be the biggest challenge. And I think the biggest challenge that my clients and the women I work with are up against. So yeah, that's the work I do. Mm, I love that. And of course, you said standing up in their brilliance, which really resonates with me because you know, I talk about standing up in your own hallelujah. You know, that's what I speak about all the time with my clients. And, you know, I was going to ask you why CEO mums, but you've answered that question already because of that particular challenge that we have, you know, juggling family and all the different resources. So really, Sean, You've done a lot. There's got to be something in all of that that you've done. There's got to be your hallelujah moment, your brilliant moment where it's like, yes, now I know I've achieved what I set out to achieve. When was that? I would say that's when my son, who's 22, I have a lot of range of children. <laughs> I have like a 19-month-old girl and I have a 17-month-old son from another mother and I have a 22-year-old son. And my 22-year-old son was through me through the hustle part through the pole dancing studio. Um, we traveled the world backpacking together, you know, and watching him go to uni, get straight A's. He's like making it happen in his life, right? Because we could have sat in poverty in high rise in council estate and given the life that I'd been given, I could have accepted that and my son would have followed suit, but I didn't. And my son now is up that level. You know, him and his children in front of me will never have to suffer what I suffered, right? So it makes me emotional saying that. But yeah, my biggest win is seeing my son and knowing that my daughter is like even further, further forward, you know, because I'm now married and have a, a wonderful husband. So she now gets both parents and all the knowledge that we have in the entrepreneurial spirit. So that's my biggest win in business. You've got me in goosebumps. <laughs> Honestly, you really have. I love the reminder to everyone that's listening to this that really anything is possible. You can yeah. change. You can change your destiny as much as you can leave a legacy. And that has come through very loud and clear from what you've shared with us today, without a doubt, Sean. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, I also love is the fact that with your story, you've shown that what we do today impacts future generations. We have a massive influence on making the decisions today so that the future generations don't have to go through the things that we have gone through. So it's, I just love that message of it because a lot of people right now are struggling and especially with the global pandemic raging havoc. They're really thinking, how am I ever going to survive this? But you can make the decisions, the little small steps, use the resources you already have right now, just like you did, and create that for yourself and impact yeah. generations because of it and be a role model in the world. Yeah, get some sushi, right? Yeah, get Sit some at your table, right? <laughs> and have a word with your inside self and say, what is it I've been dreaming that I never thought I could do and I've allowed my upbringing to tell me that I can't do, but I really know I'm here to do, Yeah, you know, and start the journey and do it, man, because it's much entrepreneurialism 
is changing the world. It is the change mm. in the world because there is no safe job. There is no funnel them into this and they'll be all right for the rest of their life. The only safety is learning how to be self-sufficient in your money making and allow that to open up in you. And if you don't feel entrepreneurial, then hook up with some entrepreneurs and get in the flow helping an entrepreneur do what they're doing because that's mm-hmm. a, a good way as well for you to be more independent because most entrepreneurs that I know anyway are coming from a very good place. So they'd be good rather than getting with a big corporation and just get squashed, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So before we go, before we go, we've got to ask you that, you know, that question. So, Sean, I know you've answered all of our questions very eloquently. You know, you've given us some great insights and some fantastic background as well. You know, perception, it's been brilliant. (laughs) However, this one may stump you a little bit. So, you know, take your time. You know, take your time. So, Sean, if you were a sushi, (laughs) if you were a sushi, what would the ingredients of your sushi be and why? Why those ingredients? Mm. Okay. I'm in my sushi zone. Okay. (laughs) First of all, I'm going to be the rice, right? Because I was actually born in Hong Kong and the rice is a very stable, nutritious part of my diet, okay? So we have the rice at the bottom and then we've got to have wasabi because I am spicy. (laughs) Okay. Hot stuff. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then the ginger, because ginger is very good. It's anti-inflammatory. It's also the ginger in sushi is fermented, so that's good for my microbiome. You know, I'm really getting into my nutrition with that ginger. Mm-hmm. And then on top, I would say probably my favorite would be the salmon. But first, I think I might grow it in my own pond because, you know, the current... Ooh. Issues that are going on sustainably. Maybe, you know, do I want that salmon? That's the struggle I'm with at the moment. I'm even talking with my husband of getting a pond and just growing fish in it for our own sushi consumption. Wow. Because that would be more sustainable than the fishing industry. I'm telling you, wow. That's my answer. And you know, with the salmon, by the way, it is all. Yeah. I'm not going to say it, but you know what I mean. Sorry, I don't want to disturb the sushi floor, but you no, know, let's, yeah, let's not. Eyes wide open, then quickly close them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, I think that's probably one of the most comprehensive and best answers we've had to that question, don't you think, Livna? <laughs> I know, I know. I do actually love sushi, so, you know, <laughs> it's very easy. I've, I've eaten it for so long. Love it, love it. Oh, gosh, I really <sighs> love it. It has been, <sighs> honestly, Sean, please come back. I'd love to. And and also, let's stay connected. You've got so much wisdom and expertise, you know, to share, you know, amongst the community. We would love to see you back without a shadow of a doubt. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to say, Lugna? No. I want to piggyback to something that you said at the beginning. We start our episode saying that we've got the most amazing guest ever. And we believe it for every guest that we've had and we're going to believe it for every future guest that we've had and if you listen to us on a regular basis that you know each and every one of these people is amazing and is worth following and connecting with so please 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 whatever if there's one thing you do after listening to this conversation you do not go and follow 
John and any other guests that we've had, you've not been paying attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Sean, for those that do want to follow you, I mean, where are you hanging out these days? Oh, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm in the, <laughs> I'm in Clubhouse. Yay. Um, at Sean Young. Made that easy for you. I'm in uh, Facebook. I'm Sean Young or Sustainable <laughs> Success Coach. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Sean Young or Sustainable <laughs> Success Coach. My website is Sean Young. So <laughs> I'm trying to make it easy because, you know, I want to reach out to people. You know, I want yeah. to help people be more sustainable, be healthy and embrace their life with both hands, you know. Beautiful. Yeah, well, we're going to make sure that we add the links to all of that in the description with this episode so that it's just one click away. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So please, listeners, viewers, if you're here in the Entrepreneur Sushi Club on Facebook watching us, please connect with Sean. You know, this is a lady who, you know, if you've listened to everything she's said over the past 20 minutes or so, she has really made it happen. She made it happen. I mean, crumbs. Look at it like this. She tries all these avenues and it's like, oh, well, she could easily have done that. Oh, well, it's not going to happen for me. Come on, son. Let's go down to, you know, the benefits office. But she didn't. She wrote to Princess Anne.